now that your friends are gone. Hey y'all, welcome back to another fucking writing podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Dempsey. I have been kind of juggling around this idea here in the last week, just something that's on my mind. If you can't tell, that's usually what I end up <laughs> inundating y'all with in these intros. But yeah, um, something kind of odd is our memories and which ones we choose to hold on to. But then also how it seems like the older we get, the more tenuous memories seem to get. Yeah, I was writing a letter to one of my Patreon supporters. It was kind of throwing around this idea of like, uh, you know, it's kind of weird that when we're young, everything takes on so much significance. Our own story is like of the utmost importance. I still vividly, vividly have memories of when I'm young, like young, young. Like, I'll never forget when I was five, I was chased by Blake Shelton wearing a gorilla suit. It's a true story. I don't remember it because it was Blake, okay? He was not even Blake Shelton yet. (laughs) He was just Blake Shelton. He was a teenager. He sucked at guitar. Sorry. He wasn't handsome. He had acne and a mullet still. (laughs) but man like i can remember the way the grass moved in the field i remember the clouds in the sky and it's not just like memories that were terrifying or anything like that like everything held so much significance and then i can look back at other chunks in my life spans of time like years where i I would be hard-pressed to come up with one memory (laughs) that I could share with you, honestly. Like, it seems that whole years have been erased from my memory bank, from my life, and from, like, the story, I think, that makes up the person I think I am, if that makes sense. And then, like, now, like, (laughs) I can be suddenly terrified or bowled over by... A memory, like a really significant memory that changed me and I forgot about it. I don't even, I I maybe wouldn't have remembered it unless someone said something that reminded me of it or I like happen upon an old photograph. And it's, and I have trouble even sorting out the last three years, (laughs) if I'm being honest. I don't know if I'm alone in this. Maybe it's just me and I have a shitty memory or something, but like, what is it? What, why are these in the grand scheme of things, sometimes insignificant memories embedded in us? And at the time they felt so significant, so big, like the first person you held hands with, or like the girl that was a few years older than you and like a few grades beyond you in school who died or got really sick or, you know, stuff like that. It like felt really scary. It felt groundbreaking. And then some like major ass shit that happened four years ago. I blank. And I don't know what it is. I think that 
maybe I'm starting to believe that we recall things that seem significant to our story more so than other memories. And our brains are like programmed to try to get rid of and forget the other shit. But <laughs> when you're a kid or an adolescence, maybe especially an adolescence, you think of yourself as being so goddamned important. And so everything seems so significant because it's your story. And then as you get older and older, like you realize how unspecial you are with each passing year. You become more insignificant to where even like crazy shit that happens, it's just like something that's happening to a story that most likely doesn't even matter. I know that's really like bleak and sad <laughs> to think about. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but that's what I was thinking on my walk with my dog just now. Today on the podcast, I have Troy James Weaver. Super duper <laughs> stoked to have gotten to talk to him. He is phenomenal as a writer. I'm a huge fan. He is the author of Visions, Marigold, Wichita Stories, Tim Porrell, and recently the poetry collection Ors out through Back Patio Press. All of you know him. All of you love him. Let's get to the talk. Wife's on spring break. She's a teacher, so. So you guys yeah. actually got to spend some time together then? Yeah. A yeah, rarity. A rarity. Okay. All right. You have dogs, cats? Uh, we have two chihuahuas. Two chihuahuas. <laughs> yeah. Hanging out with the dogs then. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. You been doing any writing or anything? Yeah, I've been working on a novel for like the last year or so. How's it coming yeah. along? Uh, I just started like transcribing. I write everything longhand. Yeah, I knew that about you. So I filled up a notebook and I don't don't really know yet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. But you're filling it up. And then do you like, what's your process? Do you go back through, reread it, see what still clicks later on and then start arranging it or? I write longhand. I edit in the notebook, which is kind of difficult because so just like a jumble of lines and like yeah. arrows moving this way and that okay <laughs> yeah and then I, I type it all up and then i just start editing again well i okay. i print off before i edit i have to edit on paper interesting so by the time you uh move it over to electronically mm-hmm. do you feel like it's mostly formed at that time usually yeah i think so Yes. So it's just kind of like line edits and like shit like that at that point. Yeah. Cool. Anything you, uh, can you share anything about the, the novel? Yeah. Um, it's about a family in Houston, Texas in 1993. And the dad is an obsessed football fanatic, uh, Oilers fan. And if you know anything about the 93 Oilers, uh, there was a lot of fucked up shit that happened with that team that year. Um, So it's kind of, you know, it's just kind of like about idolatry and stuff like that. Sweet. How the family handles their weird father. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does it feel like a a large departure from all of your other books? Does it feel like you're like toying with something new? Yeah, it's... uh, First of all, in third person, which is ah, kind of new for me, yeah. and much longer. I don't know. I've I've 
got about 10,000 words typed so far and it's only like chapter three. So much longer for me. (laughs) Do you feel like working in third person that you're able to like take greater liberties with where the story goes or like what happens to characters or anything? Yeah, it's kind of like been a struggle actually because it, it started as more of a close third and now I'm starting to realize I can expand and take it all these different directions. So I don't know this editing on this one might be a a, a way different thing than usual. So you think it's going to be like reconstructing the whole thing. So we might be waiting a little, a little bit before reading this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. It'll be a while. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Cool. I like it. Thanks for sharing. Uh, And dude, thanks for coming on. Like for sure. Huge, huge things, man. I've been, uh, Hoping to like get to know you a little bit better through some some way. I don't know how otherwise this would have happened, but uh, yeah. So this is really cool for me. And apparently, you're coming out of podcast retirement just for this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I really up? like your podcast. <laughs> Damn, dude! Hell yeah! Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. The support. What um? What made you shelf them out of curiosity? Uh, I was I was getting a lot, asked a lot of questions that were kind of like not about me and more about drama. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided, yeah. And I kind of have a tendency to go into those things when I shouldn't. So that's kind of the reason. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I recently, like I just finished a couple of days ago, Wichita Stories. I'd never read it before. And, oh, shit, uh, cool. Yeah, dude. So like... That's going to influence a lot of these questions, I'm sure. Uh, and I've read several of your other books, too. But, like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like, it hit me hard. And it, like, it really put together any of the, like, uh, wondering I may have had about just kind of the public acceptance of you. Because that was your first book, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And how old were you when it came out? I was in my late 20s, 28 or 29 when it came out. All right. Uh, would you, do you label that book like a memoir in your head? I guess I give like an elevator pitch of, of it for anyone who hasn't read it. I would say it's like auto fiction, but yeah, I mean like it's more or less all true. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your family makes multiple appearances in it for good reason. Mm-hmm. If it is like mostly auto fiction and it deals a lot like, Seemingly around like adolescence, early childhood, um, maybe like going into late teens years. So that sort of like captures the point of the book and then seems as if you're writing that maybe like a decade after the last shit that happened on page. So family makes appearances, but it seems like your your brother and your dad really make a lot of appearances. And I'm curious, like, what what do you think you were trying to do or work through, I guess, with the writing of Wichita stories? And, like, what did male figures mean to you in adolescence? Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I was working. I, I mean, I guess I was struggling with, you know, my brother was in prison when I wrote it. Um, yeah. You know, he just got out maybe a year ago now. So it's been a long, long while. Um, Damn, so yeah. d- dealing with that and uh, my, <laughs> just kind of like, I kind of had most of the male figures in my life were pretty dominating people. So I guess I kind of, I went at it from that 
that angle. You don't strike me as like a necessarily dominating figure. Um, not in the same way that I feel like I read at least your dad and your brother in the book. Like they almost seem like characters in real life. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, um, kind of like larger than life or something. And I, I take it you were really close with your your brother, both of them, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. I was I, I guess I was trying to find where like the point of like love and like anger and like how you feel, like where they connect and where they disconnect and, and what they serve. Yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> do you think that the actions of those two and then maybe I know you have multiple sisters, but like the one that makes the cameos in Wichita stories seems like she was kind of like she got into drugs, maybe had an influence even on your brother. Yeah. Do you feel almost like your family was headed down a certain path or like their story didn't end up where it might have mostly because of the actions of those three? And maybe that's why they turned up in that book. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like little things and big things. I mean, they they've changed the course of of people's lives, you know. Um Exactly, yeah. And it's not like I don't know. It's hard to say like like I can't like blame anybody for like what I've done, my fuck-ups and stuff because that's like my my choices at the end of the day are my my choices. But, you know, there's also this element of like post-traumatic stress and things that come along with having a abusive family members, you know? So totally. Was there, um, I guess what all was like the cocktail of emotions when your brother was arrested? Oh, <laughs> anger really. Yeah. You know, I, I, with my brother, it's been since he was, you know, like a teenager, like early teens, like 14, I think he went to like, juvenile hall or whatever when he was like 14 for the first time like 15 he was like he like stole car you know um you know just doing drugs and stealing to get drugs um it's just hard because you i think especially for me as being the youngest like not understanding that addiction is real and that you can't just say like you can't just they can't just go like, oh, I, I can just stop. Like, yeah, you, you can't shake them by the shoulders. <laughs> right, just right. Stop. Yeah. And like just for years, like not understanding that most of the time it was just anger, just felt angry. And I didn't talk to him for a lot of that time. Yeah. So did you blame him a lot? Did I did up, and, up until I was in my 20s. I started sorting shit out. Right on. And so how long, you said he just got out. How long did he, was he in for? Yes. Well, so uh, this last stint was like seven years. It's it's kind of weird. So he got out for about two years. This is after, right after Wichita Stories came out. So I guess it was like, he was in last time of six years, I guess. So uh, he got married like the, the year he got out of prison. And that time... He had been in for about five years, you know. Yeah. Um, did then he did they out, meet he gets, while he was in prison? No, they had met before he had spent his time in prison and then okay. reconnected. 
And she might have written him letters when he was in. I'm not entirely sure. But then I, I like flew out for their wedding. And it was like, you know, it's good. I was like, shit, maybe this is it. <laughs> yeah. You would hope, then, you, you know. know. <laughs> yeah. Then about an hour, uh, uh, like a year and a half later, <laughs> he was back in prison. <laughs> yeah, so Damn. Yeah. Like an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it, that's what it feels it like. like. Yeah, totally. Shit. Um, are you guys still close? Do you feel like very, very different relationship-wise than when y'all were growing up? I, 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 uh, I love him dearly. He's my brother. But yeah, I don't really have a relationship right now with him. I'm sure that could happen. It just hasn't yet. Yeah, yeah. But... Are you, you close know. with other family members? Yeah, my my sister, um, yeah. who I grew up with uh, in the house. I had two older sisters, uh, my half sisters that were, they're like 20 years older than me. So I never saw them really yeah, until sure. we got older. But yeah, my, my sister Amanda, she's, yeah, pretty close with her. And she um, was the one in which that story is doing the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, what's up with the the T, the letter oh. T in the title? Out of curiosity, uh, that's just uh, me separating the real place from. I didn't want. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to alienate people from here mm. a little bit into like thinking this is like a shit that didn't go down or whatever. But they didn't really receive it very well, so. Gotcha. The, mis- and I, the misspelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wondered at first because I've read your book Visions too. And uh, I thought maybe you were like referencing just that like kind of juju that's in the heartland. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, mm-hmm. like, like religious ecstasy and spirits and, and ghosts and shit. Uh, did you ever have anything in your youth that you would like a, have you attributed maybe at that time? To like mysticism or some like higher power, just any like unexplainable shit. Well, I mean, I, I grew up Mormon. It's as far as like my my dad is pretty weird. He he like believed in you know uh, not really mysticism, but you know paranormal shit. So I I, uh, I grew up with a weirdo dad that uh, like he kind of he kind of went along with the Mormon stuff for my mom, but he never really believed it, which is fucking hilarious like when you grow up and you're like oh yeah dad just never really believed that that's weird um <laughs> all those years <laughs> yeah um but yeah uh i did like i'm gonna sound crazy now but like i i've i've witnessed like paranormal shit myself so like when i was uh, in my teens like maybe 14 or 15 I have a nephew. It was my sister's kid. She uh, would drop him off, you know, for my parents to watch sometimes when she had to work or whatever. And sometimes he would stay the night. And I woke up in the middle of the night one time and there was like a toddler staring at me would have been his age or whatever. So I think it's him. And I'm like, okay. And then I kind of like, don't think about it. I go back to sleep. And then, uh, I wake up again and then it's still standing there and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are you standing there looking at me? And then it just like ran away. And then I, I went looking for my nephew throughout the house and like, he wasn't there. 
like nothing there was no nobody there and then it happened two more times like that same year and eventually like the third time i woke my mom up and i was like yo is is my is is preston here and she's like no (laughs) like he left at like nine o'clock you know then i told her i was like i keep seeing this like toddler uh, when I wake up and then she was like, well, you know, you're named after a three-year-old who drowned. Oh. I was like, that's fucking weird. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe it's just part of, I had heard it and didn't realize I had heard it and then right. constructed this thing. But yeah, it yeah. was freaky. It, yeah. I bet, man. Does that memory, like, do you find it coming back again and again? Like you yeah. think about it more than other memories. I think about it quite a bit. It, it affected yeah. me pretty, pretty hard. So I believe it. Wow. I didn't want to run away. You mentioned like the sticking the T, the extra T into the title, yeah. almost as like a, a separator or yeah. something. And I know you've kind of like slightly weighed in here and there whenever uh, discussions about just place and how growing up in spots like Kansas, Oklahoma can have a major impact on you. How much did you attribute a lot of the happenings in your life and the shit that ends up happening to your friends and where people end up, be that like, yeah, prison or what they're doing now. How much was like, do you think was just because of where y'all were at and like the opportunities or lack thereof? Yeah. I think, 100% 100% why I called it Wichita Stories is the fact that I think these these kind of things happen in these kinds of places. I mean, they they happen in other places too, but like specifically like the boredom of having nothing to do, you're going to go vandalize shit. You're going to do drugs. You're going to do like, you do shit to escape how yeah. fucking boring it is to like yeah. not have shit going on. So... You know, Wichita's come a long way since then, so who knows? Uh, Maybe not so bad anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a line in that book, too, that's, uh, we didn't know shit, but we felt everything. And a lot of the stories are like, almost like the action is just like various ways in which life like rips you to shreds (laughs) with like realizations or emotions or whatever. Do you think like a lot of the angst of being a kid is actually discovering like over and over your love has nowhere to go Mm -hmm. and like life is just too fucked up for how we're built or something? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I I think that's accurate. I mean, even into adulthood, I think it can still be true. You know, it's like, I don't know. Shit just happens. I, I mean, Life's just a, a progression of one step forward, two steps back. At least my life has been. Yeah, same. And uh, you just keep going. I guess that's why I like Samuel Beckett so much. Mm. There's this like doom, this doom thing about being alive, but like you don't stop. That's yeah. the whole point. You just keep keep going. I'm glad you <clears throat> you brought up uh, authors that you love. You tweeted recently about uh, Jim Carroll getting yeah. you into writing. And, um, and then I, you know, I, I know you talked on your other people interview about this kind of like timeline of you, you dropped out of school, but then in like your boredom, you picked up books and you started reading. I'm curious if you remember that time, what it felt like finding authors like 
Carol? Was it like you were mainlining some kind of shit you just never had before? Or like, what was the feeling? Yeah. I mean, in a, in a way, like, uh, I know how cliche this sounds, but like, it, it was like a revelation. It kind of like saved me in a way. If, mm. if I hadn't, a, I don't know, you know, a lot of my friends were on drugs and doing that. And I, I dabbled here and there. I mostly drank, <laughs> but yeah, but you didn't connect yeah, with those like, people in the rest necessarily. Right. And I think like Jim Carroll reading the basketball diaries when I was 16 or whatever it was, was like, oh, shit like i could i could tell my story or just get it out like he did and maybe it could have the same effect on others that his writing did on you yeah i mean i yeah do you still do you think it was kind of like a coping mechanism reading does it still kind of feel that way yeah i I think it's an escape yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i think you've probably been a guy who's dealt with sadness a lot throughout your life how do you get through depression? Like what's your strategy or method? Well, <laughs> I've just recently discovered that eating healthier actually helps. Yeah, um, like like Wendy's or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, like yeah, I've 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 actually been <clears throat> a lot more health conscious this last year and it it's helped. It's weird because like you like I'm a I'm a eater, so like I'm depressed all the time. I eat this shitty food and then I feel like shit. And then, you know, I just lay around. You just day. layer shit on top of shit. Yeah. 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 I feel like when I eat healthy, so, and, and happier. Yeah. And also just like going on walks, taking the dogs out for walks and stuff like that. So. It's awesome. Uh, so you're aware I recently finished Ors, your poetry collection which i found (laughs) great like that was my first time reading any poetry by you and i i'm super intrigued by this concept of like the dropping small runs of books you know a limited run i guess walk me through the decision to do that and like how did it end up coming out through back patio or flat dog whatever they're (laughs) calling themselves these days well it's kind it's kind of just me and me and zach and a couple other people, uh, Crow and uh, Graham Irvin, are in a group chat. And we have been talking for like the last two years, basically, a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. And I I, uh, I started writing those just as kind of like things to make them laugh. And that's how that started. <laughs> and then... And then like I started taking them a little bit more seriously. And then... Um, Eventually, Zach was just like, you should publish these or something. And then, I don't know, eventually I was like, would you publish them? And he was like, I would fuck, hell yeah. I'll <laughs> put these out. And um, it never was supposed to be like a book, really. Like, I never like wrote those with the intention of having a book. And then it just felt like a fun thing to do. And then I, I wrote some more and picked out my favorites and sent them to Zach. And then he was like, let's do a limited run. I was like, sounds cool. You know? Yeah. That was it. It's just super organic. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's hilarious. Like uh, Dan Eastman, he also basically just started writing shit jokes to share with Kevin and Zach. And it Uh turned into Watertown. 
So I guess they yeah, say like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, if you want to get published through them, like they have to be your audience when you're writing. <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite book of yours? My favorite that you've ever written? Mine? Yeah. Oh man, that's hard. I don't know. I, 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 I like temporal a lot because it was the hardest for me to write. It was like more challenging. And it's a, it's about your dad. I haven't read it. No, is that, that right? It's, no. That one's, um, yeah. I mean, there's some of that in there, but it's it's about three friends during the summer before they go to college, basically, uh, and it's told from different points of view throughout. And so, yeah, it's a bit of a struggle to write. So I, think, I'd say that one, but yeah. Do you think this tell. that some of just the challenges that it presented yeah, is like, part of the reason you like it because you were able to work through it? And maybe yeah, like grow as a writer. Challenge. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, like Marigold and like Witch Test Stories took me no time at all to write. It was just all there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Or like what I'm working on now is like been a challenge. So that might be my favorite <laughs> when it's done. Good, good. That's what I hoped yeah. you, that you would say. Yeah. You mentioned you're still writing uh, longhand and just in notebooks. But where do you do your writing nowadays? It used to be like everywhere, like on my lunch breaks, all this. I would write whenever I had time and I'd carry around like little, those little notebooks that are fit in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'd write on order pads at work. That's Marigold was mostly written on order pads in my car on my lunch break. And now I write at home in the evenings in my notebook. Um, just wherever, like on my couch or in my bed or wherever <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not one of those people that has like any kind of uh, got to sit at my desk. and. Yeah, nothing rigid or anything. You just right. yeah. move around. It sounds like, it, I don't know, something about like the actually writing it by hand seems almost ritualistic or something. I don't know if you get any feels like that. or Like, do you keep, do you still have all of the notes cards that like you wrote marigold or do you like burn that shit i have some i like sometimes like scraps just get lost and you know kind of, like, uh, floating out of an old jacket pocket when you throw it on or something yeah and sometimes like i'll find them in books that i reread um oh, cool. like i use them as a bookmark or something and but yeah i'm not i should be better at that because <laughs> i would like to like keep that stuff but no i i don't have most of it I, I think I have like maybe one manuscript that is still here in the handwritten form. So. Okay. <laughs> cool. Where do you get your books? You you have like a an impressive collection. It looks like oh. you like go for like hardcovers <laughs> primarily, and like where um, do you buy this shit in Kansas? Yeah, that, I go to this place called Bookaholic, and it's just like all used books and very cheap. They're cheaper than half price books, which I know oh, damn, people have yeah. in other states. And yeah, it's like a locally owned store. They have like three different stores in Wichita. Uh, How long have you been going there? It's like your jam. Since I was a teenager. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so awesome. And like you've stayed put and like yeah. hauling around all that shit. If you ever move states or something, it'd be like, Oh my fucking God. You know, but like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be impossible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. For cool. Real, man. I would love to go, uh, just thumb through that shit, man. Yeah. 
this is good. This question is going to sound like that shit that you said ran you away from podcasts <laughs> in the yeah. beginning, but I promise it's not like it, it circles back. I want your opinion on something, but like, okay. I, I don't pay an, enough attention to Twitter to like, even know what all happened or anything, but it seemed like you and Kelby Losak were like, had some beef there for a sec or whatever. And yeah. I know that, uh, like you were on his podcast and, um, it seems like you guys were like homies a little bit, yeah. you know, and then maybe, I don't know what, now what, how you feel about one another, but maybe it moved you into like a more compromised spot or maybe it just like made you have to take a step back and look at yourself or look around you or something. And and so my question is what the experience might have taught you about the influence social media has on friendship, kind of just like the non-face-to-facedness of it. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. or just what it taught you about friendship in general. Well, I can say this about that. And the truth is, is I actually, I love Kelby. I always, I have, I've known him for years. I think the mistranslate, I, if we were face to face and I said what I said, which was not that bad in my opinion, I just said the gun posts are getting a little lame. So what I said, I stick by it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he he thought it was like a personal attack. Like it's not if you're attaching guns to your person as your personality, then maybe we shouldn't be friends. I don't know. But he wouldn't talk to me after that. So you know that's what it is, which is it's fine. However, I do think that yeah, if if it wasn't on social media, I should have just called him. That's what I think. Then like yeah, hey dude, here's my, some thoughts. You know <laughs> like. I've been having, and that's it, man. Uh, But, you know, some people, they just, you know, and I I have a tendency to run my mouth and usually it's in fun and I'm not trying to like fucking actually piss people off, but apparently it happens sometimes. Um, Lately, I'm trying to take a step back and just be like positive person. And like, even if I think something, I don't have to say it. Even if I think we're close, you know, like, yeah, yeah. You're going to take it a certain way. So my new policy is just to keep my shit to myself. If I, if I have a real problem, I'll talk to you behind closed doors. Or right. So. Does it feel good? Then do you feel good about the overall like passage of events and maybe that change that came from it? Feel good just about yourself. You know, yeah, whether, I mean, whether or not the two of you guys can, can be close, close, close. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned. I learned from it. Like I didn't. I didn't intentionally say anything to lose a friendship, and that's what happened. So I learned my lesson. It's like you know, I wish we could have talked it out, but it didn't happen. How can we be like uh, more open to to reaching out? I guess to each other. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I guess the the real answer is just to, like I said, like. Do it like I could have texted him or something or do it in a way that's not like then it becomes like everyone sees it as like a performative thing. And like I wasn't trying to be performative, but then it became like, oh, I got a big dick him now because he said this on my timeline. You know, it's like no one wants to no one wants to look like a bitch on the Internet in front of people. Yeah. So there's no out after you do that it's like well it's weird it's ugly shit about me yeah 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 but it's like it seems like very much i think you're getting at something where 
our social media like is a persona or it's like a brand of ourselves it's not ourselves that we're selling and um right and yeah it makes it to where people can't really like back down in a way or like step back for a second and just realize that it's like two people still and it's not like these two brands that are fighting for the spotlight exactly All right, that was my talk with Troy James Weaver. If you enjoyed our talk, please go pick up one of Troy's books. He's got plenty. (laughs) He's working on a new one. You need to catch up. You can also choose to support me monetarily through Patreon. The link can be found in the show notes. You can set up a $1 per month subscription. $1. It's basically the same price as if you bought one personal pizza from Pizza Hut. (laughs) That might not be true. It's not a lot. Uh, You can also pledge $5 a month. And if you do that, you get a lot of cool stuff. You get free books mailed by me. You get a handwritten thank you letter. Uh, I'm going to set up even more cool shit. Yeah, I want to make this, like, worth it for you all. I honestly don't, like, the point of this is not to make money. I am I just want, like, a cool community. And I want people to read these books that are a part of my tapestry. And uh, I like to talk about this shit. I like uh, for good authors to be recognized. And, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing you can do. I'll see you next time.